Darlington did not disappoint. We saw early championship favorites crumble, and we saw a little bit of nostalgia too along the way. This episode of Above the Yellow Line is delivered to you by DoorDash. Use the promo code NASCAR30 to get 30% off your first DoorDash order. Hey race fans, it's Taylor, and welcome back to Above the Yellow Line, the show where we talk all about the NASCAR Cup Series. And when we talk about the playoffs, I always say the same thing when we start like race one of the playoffs, is that either teams will falter right out of the gate, or they will fly right out of the gate, and we definitely saw both, but I think the ones that faltered shocked me the most. Everyone definitely left feeling the wrath or the love of the lady in black, but let's talk about all the drama and all the interesting action from the Southern 500, starting with your results. A historic win for NASCAR, capturing his second crown jewel win for the Southern 500 and the 200th win for the number 43, Eric Jones finds himself back in victory lane. Jones got the lead when the last caution came out. He had a really nice restart, and he was in the top 10 all day long, too. It was a very solid run for Eric Jones. We all know this is one of his best tracks, so it was really good to see him capitalize in this Gen 7 car and get the win. All of this to say that this makes Eric Jones the Shaq Eye Gear MVP of the week. He is the 17th different winner of the season and a fun Shrigley stat along the way. This is the most winners that the NASCAR Cup Series has seen in a single season of all time, tied with 1961. This is also an ironic win because he had to beat out former teammate Denny Hamlin to get this win. Very masterful moves by Eric Jones. But of course that means Denny Hamlin finished in the second position. Let's look through the rest of your top 10. Tyler Reddick in third, Joey Logano in fourth, who I actually thought was going to win this race, but because of how cautions fell, it just did not work out. Bell fifth, McDowell sixth, Kazowski seventh, Byron eighth, who I also thought was the favorite during this race until he had some engine issues. And then ninth, Bubba Wallace. So let's talk about Bubba Wallace. You might have noticed if you didn't hear that he was driving a different number this weekend, and for the remainder of the season, he will be driving the number 45 as Kurt Busch is out. We're not sure when he's going to be back. But the number swap happened because they are still eligible for an owner's championship, so moving Bubba Wallace to that number instead of Ty Gibbs is going to give them their best chance possible to capture that owner's championship. I mentioned Ty Gibbs, and everyone's wondering who's going to be moving to the 22. Well, they're really just swapping numbers. Ty Gibbs is going to be staying with 2311 Racing until Kurt Busch can return if he can, and he will be driving the number 23. Important to note as well, the crew in the pit crew is not changing for Bubba Wallace. He will still have Booty Barker as his crew chief, and the crew, like I said, will stay the same. This is a really unique opportunity for Bubba Wallace as it gives him playoff experience without being in the playoffs. So there, there is still that pressure, obviously, to go for that owner's championship, but it's not like the pressure of being the champion, which I think will benefit him in the long run as he goes for a championship contention spot next year, maybe the year after. I think he could probably make it in next year, given that we've had 17 different winners this season, and Bubba's been really close to a win, too, when we have Kansas coming up next week. So I think as he's growing as a driver, getting more and more concise and getting more and more consistent, I think this experience is going to help him out when he has that playoff spot sometime in the future. Finally, I want to mention, like I said, we don't know if Kurt Busch is going to be returning this season. If he does, though, Denny Hamlin made it clear that he will be in the 23 when he does return. Regardless, though, we hope that Kurt is recovering well, and if we have news on it, we will break it to you at tobychristie.com. Finally, in the 10th position is Alex Bowman rounding out your top 10. Really solid day for him. He was in the top 10 all of the time, so I know a lot of us have him as an early exit in the playoffs, but he could potentially move to the round of 12. I, I think given this point situation, things are still really close to tell that he's actually going to be in, but he's got to have to have a solid next two races to be sure that he is in. I know consistency is kind of weary with that team, so maybe he's in, maybe he's not. I don't know what you all think about Alex Bowman making it to the round of 12, but let me know in the comments below. 
Now looking back at the rest of your playoff contenders and how they finished, we have Kyle Larson in the 12th position. He had early engine issues. Wasn't sure if he was going to compete. It looked like the same issue as Daytona, but they were able to get things figured out enough to where he finished in the 12th position. Ryan Blaney, 13th. Cindric 16th. Austin Dillon, 17th. Suarez, 18th. He had an up and down day. Had to serve a penalty to start the race due to pre-race inspection failures. His teammate Ross Chastain in 20th and Briscoe in 27th. Unfortunately, now we have to look at our DNFs. There were many drivers in the playoffs that did not finish this race. It was due to the, either the Lady in Black herself, she just didn't. She didn't want to deal with these drivers. She was like, your playoff chances are done, goodbye. Or it was due to some mechanical issues on the track. We're going to start, though, with the last place finisher of Chase Elliott. By the way, you guys, unfortunately, these all are my Jack Eye Gears LVP of the week because it puts them in a really bad playoff spot and also some of these drivers came really close to a win then in the ninth inning they just flat out just didn't make it it was very disappointing so we're starting with chase elliott talking about him finishing in the last position the 36th position as he just had a single car spin spun out broke some things in the car the dvp clock did not favor him even though nascar said they were advancing the dvp clock from six minutes to 10 minutes for the playoffs because the teams were saying hey we need more time to fix our cars Unfortunately, though, that wasn't enough time for Chase Elliott. I guess after the race, I looked at Noah Lewis's Twitter. He refused to go to the infield care center. He was visibly frustrated, I would say. So he just said he needs to run better these next few races. That's all he really said. So here's to hoping that our championship favorite can pick up the pace again because his points buffer that he had, that beautiful over 40 points buffer, is gone. He is now mired down in the points. We'll talk about the points in a few minutes, but it's not looking the best for Chase Elliott to start the playoffs, but maybe they can turn it around coming up at Kansas. Then in 33rd, Kevin Harvick. This was a DNF I did not want to see personally just because of my bracket and how I have things playing out. Near the end of the race, his car just caught on fire. It was because the rocker panel moved a little bit with the exhaust, things heated up, things got on fire. The broadcast said that probably the rubber from the track got in between those rocker panels, parts of the car, caught on fire. Really not good. Kevin Harvick has been a huge proponent of talking about the safety for these cars, getting things to change, getting NASCAR to make these changes so the drivers are safer. He's had hard hits this season, now he has fire in his car. He's definitely not happy. He says that they're the cheap parts in the car. He's he was very, very visibly angry after the race and very much spoke his mind as I think he should. The broadcast also said this was similar to what happened to Busher at the Indy Road Course when his car just caught on fire. And what's interesting about these fires is they are Ford-centric. NASCAR actually put in the part for the exhaust so that this wouldn't happen anymore. They solved the problem initially, and then of course at the Southern 500 we saw that the problem is not actually solved. Or maybe they solved one problem, but now Harvick's car has a different problem that NASCAR has to look at. So the main problem that I see and that these drivers are having is the time it's taking to resolve these issues. Obviously, NASCAR has to go in. They have to study these issues. They have to study what the fix needs to be. And it's a little bit trial and error, which is frustrating, right? As a driver, you want the fix now so it doesn't affect you in the playoffs. But unfortunately, we're at a point in the season where you don't have a wiggle room of a race. You don't have, let's say, you're at Daytona. You're already in the playoffs. Great. We don't have that to fix the issue. You're now in the playoffs. So if there's an issue that arises with your car that is uncontrollable to you, you can't fix that, and it's going to cost you some playoff spots. And unfortunately, that's what happened with Kevin Harvick, so I see why he's mad. His crew chief, Rodney Childress, was also mad posting on Twitter. I understand the frustration. I don't know if I should say give NASCAR some patience as they try to fix these, but we also know that drivers have been saying the safety of these cars have been concerning all season long with the hits. Denny Hamlin had a hit hard last week at Daytona. He missed out on the Xfinity race because he wanted to give his body time to heal. He was back in for the Darlington race, obviously, for the Southern 500. But there's a lot of concerns that I know during the offseason NASCAR is going to take their time to look at these cars and fix the safety concerns or hopefully fix them or do the best that they can. But 
I also don't want NASCAR to wait until the offseason to address things. I feel like they need to take a step back this week, make some adjustments as they have throughout the season, and hopefully by the end of the season, unfortunately by the end of the season, we can have these cars safer for the drivers for 2023, not leaving the offseason with as much concerns as we have right now. And then finally, in the 31st and 30th position, the major L's for me this weekend, honestly, Truex and Kyle Busch. I know we're talking about the playoff drivers here, but I got to talk about Truex because he had this race in the bag. I thought he was going to win it. He had a really dominant car. Kyle Busch at one point in the race said, I don't know what Truex has, but I want it in my car and I don't know why I don't. Pretty much said that kind of over the radio, over the broadcast. Truex had a really good car. Kyle Busch then had a really good car. At the end of the race, they pretty much flat out, like, went out at the same time. Truex had overheating issues, lost the power steering, went to the garage. And then before the final restart, Kyle Busch's engine just started to blow up. Have no clue how, have no clue why, but then he went to the garage. That left Eric Jones a nice, clean first spot on the restart and got him the win. So it was a very centric Toyota day. I would say the Toyotas dominated most of the day. Obviously, Eric Jones ended up getting the win in the end with a very good car, but... A major L for the Toyotas, I would say, or at least Kyle Busch and Martin Truex Jr. And then definitely for Chase Elliott, that is very unfortunate for those guys who are champions of the sport and are now going to be struggling in the playoffs minus Truex, who is not in the playoffs this year. All right, so I talked about some major playoff implications. Now let's look at the points for the playoffs and how they stand after the Southern 500, starting with your above the yellow line point standings. I gotta mention this, we added Rob Branding into our playoff standings. We're doing this whole year race winning pick thing. We added him in at 55 points. So if you're keeping up with that, if you're really invested in how we're doing the above the yellow line crew with our race winning picks, we added Rob in. We gave him a little bit of an advantage here, catching him up to speed with us. But here is how things stand after this race. Rob picked the best out of the rest of us with Joey Logano. So we really didn't need that points advantage that we gave him, but he now sits at 50 59 points. In fourth place in our point standings is Brandon with a pick of William Byron. He has 64 points. I'm in third place in points with 68 points. Unfortunately, Kyle Larson was my pick and he did not show up the way I thought he was going to. Second place is Dom Joseph. He picked Christopher Bell. He now has 69 points. And finally, Adam losing out this weekend. He gained zero points this weekend with a pick of Kyle Busch, but he still is leading us all in points with 72. I also wanted to take this time to talk about my playoff bracket. We revealed them on the live stream last Friday, but I wanted to tell you all who I think is going to be the champion and why and who's going to be out in each round. Obviously, we have one playoff race under our belt, so we know how things kind of shape up right now. But going out in the first round, I have Bowman, Suarez, Cindric, and Briscoe. I feel pretty good about having Cindric and Briscoe out going into the next round still. Suarez, I'm a little iffy on. Alex Bowman, though, I wish I would have put him into the round of 12 and said I was going back and forth between him and Austin Dillon. And I think these tracks and how Austin Dillon did in the spring, I thought that he would move forward. And then with the tracks going into the round of 12, really suit Austin Dillon. So I was thinking that maybe if he moved along, he would do fine. But now I'm not so sure. So that is my round of 16, who I think will be out after this round. Then out after the round of 12, I have some shockers here. Austin Dillon, I don't think is going to move past the round of 12, even though I said that those are his really good tracks. I also think that there is some luck involved in those tracks with Texas, the Roval, and Talladega. I think luck might not be on his side, so I'm saying that he is out of contention after the round of 12. Then after that, I have Kyle Busch. I think his luck's going to run out. All his contract stuff is getting in his head. I, I just feel like this is not the year for Kyle Busch. Then the two picks I am regretting, William Byron and Christopher Bell. They had a really strong showing at Kansas, gave themselves a pretty good points buffer on the rest of the field, especially the guys that I thought would do well, but definitely didn't. I think they're going to make it probably to the round of eight, at least one of them. So one of my picks, I, it's definitely wrong because not everyone can make it to the round of eight, right? So those are the guys I think will be out after the round of 12. Now we go to my championship four, who's out after the round of eight. 
After the round of eight, I have Logano, Chastain, Redick, and Harvick out, which leaves my championship four to be Larson, Elliott, Hamlin, and Blaney. I think Blaney's going to shock us all and make it through. I do think, though, my pick of Harvick going into the round of eight, though, now looks not so good, just based on how Kansas went. But my championship, you guys, I originally was thinking that Elliott was going to be the champion, and then literally three hours before I presented the bracket to you all on the live stream, I changed it to Denny Hamlin. I think this is his year. This is his last good year, in my opinion, to actually get the championship. He's one of the winningest drivers without a championship. So I think it would be a good story if he got it this year. Let me know what your bracket looks like. Hashtag ATYL on Twitter. Let me know what you think. But Denny Hamlin is my championship pick for 2022. Finally, I keep talking about the point standings after the guys that did not finish this race. So what do they look like after Kansas? Well, the guys in the red under the cutoff line right now, as we speak, if things stopped, these guys would be out of the championship fight. We have Cindric minus two, Austin Dillon minus four, Briscoe minus 10, and Harvick minus 13, who did not finish this race. Right above that cutoff line is Suarez plus two, Kyle Busch plus eight. And then Elliott, who was leading the points charge plus 40 over the field, well over 40 over the field, now is ninth in points. Crazy. Now the guy leading the point standings is Joey Logano, plus 38 to everyone else. Second place behind him is William Byron, plus 32. It's going to be a treat going to Kansas with how close the points are. I do not think it is over for the guys below the cutoff line. Obviously, though, they have to be perfect from here on out, especially Kevin Harvick, but it's not over for them, as I said, so I'm excited to move ahead to Kansas. But before we do that, we have to rate this race above or below the yellow line. I asked you guys on Twitter and YouTube via a poll what you all thought of this race, and here is what you all had to say. From Twitter, 47% of you said this was a great race. 39% said good, 12% said okay, and 2% said bad. On YouTube, 48% said great, 27% said good, 16% said okay, and 9% said bad. And then thoughts from the above yellow line crew, Don Joseph said, the crown jewels have not disappointed this year. The amount of unknown in the Southern 500 was extraordinary and Eric Jones victory is so heartwarming. I've been watching Eric since his first career win in the truck series in 2013. And I always felt he was a generational talent. I was thrilled to see him get a second Southern 500 trophy. This race proved just how difficult it is to win. Everything has to go right. That's what makes it special. Great race and what a way to start the playoffs. Finally, Adam Lucas said, A wild and unpredictable Darlington stole the show Sunday night. I think Kevin Harvick's spicy post-race comments were a thing of poetry. Something has to be done to make these cars stronger and most of all safer. Drivers are more on edge about this car than ever before, and I do hope that something positive comes about to remedy this as soon as possible. It would be a real shame if we were to see drivers protest or prematurely retire due to their concerns with the safety of the car. But as for the race itself, I truly thought my head fell off and was put back on the wrong way. The amount of playoff drama we witnessed was one for the record books, especially the final caution period. The two most dominant cars both expiring within laps of each other and then to cap it off with the 43 back in victory lane? Sign me up for this weekly soap opera, please. Darlington always is a favorite on the schedule for me, and the racing is always sublime. I give this race an 88 out of 100, making it above the yellow line. For my rating, I gotta say, as a crown jewel, this was a really solid race. For me, though, nothing can beat the 600 this year. I saw that in person, so I have a little bit of that bias for being there in person, but it was flawless. I, I cannot compare this to that, but we had a lot of good action, a lot of drama that kept me invested in the race, and it was so unpredictable. I didn't know if someone was going to lose a tire one lap, if somebody was just going to break down the other lap, but there was also really hard racing on the track. Darlington is one of those tracks that drivers just cannot master. It changes pretty much, in my opinion, every year. Every time that you go to attack it one way, it just changes the next. So it's a really, really fun track to watch these drivers go on, veterans and 
new drivers alike in the Cup Series. It's really, really fun. I gotta give this race probably, I gotta say, a 79% out of 100. That makes it above the yellow line, a really solid crown jewel race. So far this season, they've all been pretty good. All right, it is now that time. I keep mentioning Kansas Speedway. Now let's break down the next race, starting with your track facts and driver stats for the Hollywood Casino 400 at Kansas Speedway. The track length for Kansas Speedway is 1.5 miles long. The race length is 267 laps or 400 miles. Stage one is 85 laps, stage two is 80 laps, and the final stage is 102 laps long. Now for our driver stats, the last driver to win at the track was Kurt Busch in his really sweet Air Jordan scheme. The active drivers tied with the most wins at the track is Harvick, Hamlin, and Logano with three apiece. The active driver with the best average finish at the track is Kevin Harvick with an average finishing position of 9.1. The team with the most track wins is Hendrick Motorsports with 14. And finally, the wins by manufacturer Chevrolet with 41, Ford with 32, and Toyota with 11. All of this from driveraverages.com. Now let's close it out with our two watch to worry for the Kansas race weekend. If you don't know what the segment is, let me break it down for you. The guys to worry about are guys that you don't want in your fantasy lineup. If you do any of that, if you do any betting, those are the guys I'm a little concerned about and would probably not have in my lineup or at least maybe put in my garage if I think maybe there's a chance. And then the guys to watch are obviously the guys I think are going to do well this weekend. Somebody to keep an eye on playoffs or not in the playoffs. I, I feel like we got to keep looking at the entire field, especially after Darlington. We saw a not playoff contender win the race. So let's talk about our guys to worry about first. So first guy I'm going to be worrying about is Chase Briscoe. Obviously, he did not run well in the spring. He ran outside the top 15 almost all day long. I feel like he's a guy you need out of your fantasy bracket. He is a guy that I think is going to struggle, and he's already below the cutoff line, so I feel like he's going to have more of a deficit coming out of Kansas than he did coming in. The second drivers I'm going to be worried about is Trackhouse Racing. Chastain actually ran well in the spring at Kansas, but Daniel Torres did not. And I feel like the past few weeks, Trackhouse Racing has not had really good races. And I don't know if that's because they're gearing their efforts towards the playoffs. I don't know if they just slowed things down because they were already in. They wanted to focus everything towards this round of 16, round of 12, and as we go forward, depending on how far their drivers make it. But something just has me concerned for Trackhouse going into next week. And obviously, we saw how Chastain's going to race everybody. He raced Ryan Blaney pretty aggressively. Ryan Blaney's like, I'm not taking that, and kind of pushed him back at Darlington. So I, I feel very scared for Trackhouse going into Kansas, but obviously I could be wrong. If anybody you should put in your lineup from that team, I would say Ross Chastain. Daniel Suarez, I might leave out of your lineup going into this week. But again, they're just suggestions. I could jinx you, but those are my guys I'm worrying about. Trackhouse and Chase Briscoe. Now for our guys to watch, I gotta mention Kevin Harvick, of course, in the stats, he has the best average finishing position of all the active drivers, and he has tied for the most wins of the track of all the active drivers, so we gotta put him on our fantasy lineup, I feel like he could definitely get himself out of the points deficit that he is in, or at least get very close to doing that with Kansas, because it is a very good track for him, and then we also gotta look at the Toyotas for Kansas. They had a really good race in the spring, and specifically, I'm going to be looking at Denny Hamlin, but most importantly, Bubba Wallace. I think he could be our 18th different winner of the season. We saw Eric Jones spoil the playoff contenders with a non-playoff driver winning this race. I think that Bubba Wallace could do the same thing. He raced in the top 10 all day long at Kansas. And he's just been really strong the past few weeks. He's gained a lot of confidence, I feel like, and I feel like that confidence is going to carry him into maybe a winner, at least a top five at Kansas. So if anything, look at those Toyotas to put in your fantasy lineup, and then look at Kevin Harvick. At least put him in the garage. I think he could rebound from a really abysmal day at Darlington, of course, not the fault of his own, but definitely Kevin Harvick and the Toyotas specifically, Bubba Wallace, and maybe Denny Hamlin in your fantasy lineup for Sunday at Kansas. So who are your two watch to worry for at Kansas Speedway? Let me know in the comments below. And with that, we are done with this episode of Above the Yellow Line, the show where we talk all about the NASCAR Cup Series. 
For more from us here at ATYL, make sure to follow our social pages at underscore Taylor Kitchen underscore on Twitter for post-race polls and daily questions and above the yellow line on Instagram, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. Also make sure to check out TobyChristie.com on all social platforms to find great motorsports content and TobyChristie.com to hear and read more from the team and your favorite drivers. Last but not least, I want to thank DoorDash and Shack Eyegear for supporting ATYL and TobyChristie.com. To show your support, make sure to use the promo code NASCAR30 for 30% off your first order of DoorDash. And when you're checking out at ShackEyeGear.com, make sure to use the promo code MAMBA34 to get 20% off your order. You can find all of our social pages linked in the description below, but before you check this out, make sure to like this video, subscribe to the channel, share this with your friends and family, and guys, thank you so much for supporting us here at Above the Yellow Line and TobyChristie.com, and until next time, we'll see ya.